It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, welcome back. Great to have your company. As I said, you can get involved with us any time on the uh, Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Clear a couple of texts first, uh, Haggers. Uh, this is uh, Roy, and he says, Hags and Pete, has Jack Darling turned his career around, and how many years has he got left on he's his got, contract? He's got two more, that I, uh, as I'm aware, 2024, end of 2024. Mm. He gets a million dollars next year. He gets a million, he's on $930,000 this year. So has he turned his career around? He doesn't do anything more than what he's done for his last 240-odd games. Has a a, not a bad quarter or two every now and again and plays a significant role in that quarter for West Coast to come back or stay in a game. He does, he averages 12 possessions a game and every now and again he kicks three or four goals. I mean, even the other day on La Verde... On La Verde, they didn't even play their best defender on Jack Darling. They played Ridley on Kennedy. Well, Ridley even even Ridley on Kennedy. La Verde, Ridley, Kelly, they're going to get smashed by experience and good forwards like Kennedy and Darling. But Darling does it so seldom. But those that those that lord Jack Darling will scream from the top of the highest tower in the country. Oh, Jack's back. Look at that one. You, you've been critical of him. Jack does this. Jack, he, he does it once every now and again. And this year, I reckon he's done it about three times where he's even been worthy of considering for their best players. Sure, the other day, but there was a long list of them. And all their forwards got in on kick goals. And just as well they did because they were beaten with the ball going back the other way a lot. And if Wright had kicked straight, Wright kicks through, say, 5-2 to yeah, half-time. At one stage, he had 4-4. He had 4-4. Four, four. Finished with 4-4. Four, four. He had 3-4 yeah. at half-time. The ball wouldn't have gone back to Darling. But Darling would have been a contender for your best the other day. But is he going to get a, is he going to get ahead of Yo or Rioli or Kennedy or Redden? No way. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Al of North Lake. And there is a bit of a uh, Jack Darling fan club out there. Haggers, have you checked the coaches' votes for the last round? Uh Behold, Jack Darling got five votes. He did. The coaches' votes had Peter Wright and Josh Kennedy on eight, Jack Darling five, Rioli three. I thought Rioli was better than Darling for mine anyway. Mason Redman uh, was good, I thought, for the Bombers. And then Ryan Yo, who had a very good first half, and Dylan Shield. They were the votes uh, that were cast by the coaches. Well, I, I thought the best on ground was Josh Kennedy. And, and that's Willi, the way Willi, we went in Willi, our coverage. Willie Rioli was probably West Coast's second best player. Redman was their third best player. Uh, quite comfortably. Elliot Yo faded a little bit. Uh, Shannon Hearn was terrific. Um, I, I, you could have given a number of West Coast Eagles players if you had to just come up with four or five, but not Jack Darling. Okay. Now, we want to open the temper of bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. One of the big stories is Tom Stewart, who's an outstanding footballer for Geelong, but just lost it uh, in the split second. And now he look, he's looking at an extended period on the sidelines, going to the tribunal uh, tomorrow night. This is what uh, his coach had to say. 
he's a scrupulously fair player and just a fantastic, strong character, fundamental to what we do at, um, at Geelong. You know, I think when my time's come and gone, I'll look back and say I was, I was honoured to know and to coach Tom Stewart. And that's partly because when I spoke to him post-game, he said, I've just made a horrible error and I feel terrible about it. I said, okay. He said, I ran past the ball and I chose to bump. I, I, I didn't mean to do it, but gee, it was terrible execution and I'm gonna pay the price for it. And I wouldn't normally be this expansive, but I thought it speaks to the man. That was brilliant by Chris Scott. Oh, I thought he delivered was... that well, but he's also put up the defence yeah. for Tom Stewart going to the tribunal. And, and they'll take all that. Uh, it's conditioning the industry for, say, three weeks for Instead Tom Stewart. Instead of four or five. If, if, if Chris had sort of said, oh, look, I didn't see it, and we'll have to wait and see But some outcome, a lot of the coaches do. do say yeah. that. And I think, well, that's because they probably have to. Mm. In this case... It's happened so early. You couldn't possibly have gone to a media conference, uh, you know, 20 minutes after the game and say, I haven't seen it. And it was such a huge issue. And Chris Scott and his advisors would have known that. And so it was clever to get on the front foot and, yeah. and put that out there. Because as I say, and he would have sensed and known, it, this is going straight to the tribunal. This is not going to be an automatic handout of a two or three weeks and, and accept a, a one-week offer. So what do you think plea. you'll get? A month? I think you'll get three weeks. Three weeks. Uh, and and had he tried to defend it in any way, had they tried to make excuses, it, it would have been a lot harsher. Mm-hmm. But it might be f- might be four. I'll, I'll go with you asked for a figure. I reckon Tom Stewart gets three weeks. And all of if a they su- didn't give out more than two weeks for a, just a disgraceful act like a headbutt from uh, Bailey, Bailey Smith, Smith on Zach too. If they didn't give out three or four weeks for that, I, I'm not so sure they can go too much heavier, even though what they're – the Tom Short one is one that they have to get out of the game mm. to go past the play and take out a player, which I think Chris, Wright is, Chris Scott is right in saying, I would have thought the same thing. Mm. It's not how Tom Stewart plays. Uh, and I can't recall the play. Remember when Stephen Way went past the football for Melbourne a few seasons ago and took out a player late? I'm just trying to think exactly what sort of sentence he goes. Steve May, a few years ago, went past the player collected him very similar to what Tom Stewart had done, and I just can't remember the sentence. Maybe mm. someone mm. Would, would know. All of a sudden, when these things happen, Haggers, the send-off rule argument comes up again. And, and John Longmire from the Sydney Swans is urging for calm as the calls grow for the AFL to introduce a send-off rule for incidents like that one by Tom Stewart. Again, this is what Chris Scott had to say when he was questioned about the potential to uh, maybe – incorporate the send-off rule. So I'm strongly of the view and have been for virtually my whole career. Well, when the vision became good enough for things to be um, tried by video, which is what they are, strongly of the view there shouldn't be match day reports because the risk of an umpire getting it wrong is far too great. And the idea of sending someone off and getting it wrong in a big game is a risk not worth taking. Well, this is a crazy idea and I shouldn't bring it up, but... Richmond are the one that have suffered the penalty. North Melbourne shouldn't get the benefit next week. So they get, they get no benefit whatsoever for losing one of their best players. Just an idea. Leopard yeah, once said that you should miss it against that team when you play next. Yeah, that, that's sort of my version of restorative justice. Like, right. you know, the, the victim should actually 
be restored in some sort of way. And I, I know that idea is a lot broader than just sort of making sure that the victim's compensated in some way, but yeah, it's like, again, punitive action, like North Melbourne benefit, doesn't make any sense. So there you go. That's what uh, Chris Scott had to say regarding the send-off rule, and everyone's sort of saying, just uh, calm the farm well, here. Well, a lot are. There are some, I think, quite revered uh, football analysts, and they've got, uh, you know, beautiful, colourful careers, playing careers themselves in now in retirement and working in media and having quite an influence. I think some of, even some of those greats are saying, you know, we should consider a send-off rule. We should have a send-off rule, one or two are saying, and one or two are saying, uh, the exact that that's the exact type of offence that calls for an automatic send off, mm-hmm. which I think is a way overreaction because if you don't if you aren't proactive and preactive and and get something in before an event like this, then you're not being proactive and and constructive as a management, but not a send off, Peter. The, the closest you could ever come to anything like most other sports around the world have would be a sin bin for a period of time so that your match review officer could review the instance mm. to then say, yes, you're staying out of the game. I, I don't go for that either. The one thing I don't also go for, I, Chris got a spot on there, match day reports should be a thing of the past. We should not have any of the field umpires making any match day reports. Because you've got the MRO system, you've got the MRO that look at every game and come up with what should be a sanction or a ban on, on that particular instance. Mm. So we don't need field umpires saying, he's on report, he's on report. And the other thing too, just quickly on it, field umpires stay away from scuffles. Get out of the way. Leave them alone. Watch because their match review officer is going to be looking for whatever sanctions need to be taken. And also, you're not close enough to be touched by a player. Yeah. Thankfully, Nathan Fife was dismissed for his touch on uh, umpire O'Gorman on Saturday afternoon, thankfully. But he was too close to the action. It was a quarter-time dust-up. That's what – get out of the way, you blokes, because you can't give a free kick. You're not in any position to break things up if players don't want to be broken up and just observe and help the MRO process if you're called on. Umpires get too close to some of these skirmishes, and that's why they get touched. Uh, and the incident I was referring to uh, regarding uh, Stephen May was when he was playing for the Suns, just come through, yep. 2016, and he collected Stephen Martin uh, uh, late. Very I do sim- remember that year, very Martin similar, over the ball, Yeah, correct, think, and he yeah, came late, and he's taken him out, got five weeks. Yeah, okay. Got five weeks, it was April 2016. Well, I bet you in that case then... I reckon have, that's a bit of a precedent. It. Yeah, but also we'd have to, we'd have to see it to remind us again... It yeah. would have. It wasn't as late, I don't think, as perhaps even. Um, there it is, Kim. I'm just showing to you now, and the ball's gone. Similar. Past. The ball had yeah. gone away. Yeah. Similar. But he took him with a hip and shoulder, uh, and he bang. T- yeah. This one took him hip into the head. Yeah. So I, the other thing too is, I think again, everybody, the the match review officer, the process that they go through to dish out sanctions, whether it goes to tribunal or not, they still they have to take into account more of the potential to cause injury. Now, that one was a really nasty one. That's a real bad look for the game when a tough little player like uh, Dion Prestia is as knocked out and as wobbly as he was. That's, so the potential to cause even more injury there should be taken into account, and yet he's, ta- he's caused enough as it is. Yeah, interesting. Okay, um, we're going to take uh, Lise very quickly before we take a break. Hello, Lise. How are you? Hi, Peter. Hi, Kim. Hello, good, Lisa. thanks. I hope you both had a great weekend. Did, yeah. Um, I had a good weekend. My Both both my um, Eagles team won. <laughs> and Pete, 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 I listened to you and Scotty on Friday night calling the game. That was excellent. Thanks, And Lisa. to top my weekend off, I got nine out of nine. 
Oh, did you? Well done. You even went yeah. for Carlton. I, 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 I thought Fremantle could beat Carlton. Uh, no, I, I went for Carlton. Yeah, good on you. Well, that's well done. Yep. And, um, Haggis, you just keep on keeping on, don't you? We, I, mm-hmm. I don't know who your spies are, but by God, you, you, you know, you find out some good news. <laughs> and um, just, just on Luke Jackson, um, a couple of weeks ago, I heard um, Justin Longmuir, he was asked about Luke Jackson, mm-hmm. and he said that um, he, he's, not, he's not getting in on it, and he finds um, that it's disrespectful um, for, uh, for other clubs to be chasing others um, while in mid-season. Or you know, while the footy's still going. So, so where's that? Like you know, and then we hear that Peter Bell and uh, well, allegedly, Peter Bell and Jamie Graham spoke to Luke Jackson on the weekend. It happens all the time. There's 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 several things that I continue to repeat and have done for a long time, Leisha, and I probably drive people like yourself mad that what gets said publicly in the AFL, ninety nine point nine times out of a hundred is very different than what's going on behind the scenes. It's not the truth, or they're stretching it. (laughs) In 2017, Jerry McGovern had at least two, I've got them diarised at home, at least two, and I think a third meeting with um, Steve Rossich, Ross Lyon, Chris Bond, over Crown Lagers, and prawns was Jeremy's preferred <laughs> preferred lunch at someone's home that I won't reveal, and it was denied. It was denied all of 2017 and into 2018 that Jeremy McGovern was going to Fremantle. Was Jeremy McGovern committed to Fremantle until West Coast pounced a five-year deal at 1.25 million in, in front of him, and he took that in mid in July of 2018. That's the sort of thing that goes on, and they try to keep it quiet. They have to keep it quiet. They're not supposed to. They're not supposed to. Okay, at least we've got to take a break. But thanks for calling. I really appreciate you listening in to the call on the weekend. Keep listening and keep listening to uh, Drive with Peter Vlasa, particularly on a Monday and a Thursday when Hags does deliver the news. Now, regarding the story, Patrick Ryder and Brad Hill, we might have a bit more news on that from actually a listener of ours who's got some more information from the person or a person, a contact of his that may have been at the venue that mm. this transpired. We'll share that with you after the so break. So this, this is the St Kilda boys one, is it? Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, we'll release that next after the break. 0487 736 736. That's a temper at Bedshed text line. Just repeating, uh, Kim Haglund has released that Luke Jackson met with Peter Bell and also Jamie Graham. Uh, at a cafe in Mordialic in suburban Melbourne on Saturday morning to discuss what Fremantle would have in offer. And also the West Coast Eagles are using possibly Nick Natanui as one of their keys to try and entice uh, the young West Australian boy from Williton to the Eagles next year. It's a developing story and we're right across it here on Drive.